Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. Phil and I, want, we were talking and we said, let's talk about community. And straight away, you open the Bible to Acts chapter 2, verse 42, where it's titled, The Believers Form a Community. And I felt very challenged at this point that I, that's the last time I'm going to mention that scripture this morning, because there are lots of scriptures in the Bible about community and scripture interpretates scripture. And we must be those that see the Bible as the whole thing. It's very dangerous to build a doctrine or a philosophy in the word from one scripture. Because the Bible's so wonderful, because there's so many themes that run all the way through the Bible and link together and form this quilt or cover, if you like, of so many different things. So when, when we become a believer, there's this automatic assumption that you're going to join the church. And why is that? Well, first, it's important to be discipled in your faith. Second, it's to join a fellowship of believers to worship God together. And thirdly, it's important that we build strong relationships and strong community. Because Christian community is a big deal and it's very important for our, our happiness and our personal growth. It's, and also for the growth of the church. It's not an optional part of Christian life. I don't need to go to church to be a Christian, correct. Um, Community is more than Sunday mornings, correct. But we need both in our lives. We need community and church within it to see the growth both personally and within the body and within the wider community of those who are not saved. Because God's never intended us to go through life alone. Uh, His intention is that we break bread together, We share our burdens, we share our challenges, we share our joys on that journey. And it's all part of our human nature to be part of something, to be together, that God wants us to rely on one another, um, to depend on one another, that we walk alongside one another, we spur each other on, we encourage one another. Together in love, we carry each other's burdens, our practical needs, we warn each other of sin, and we rejoice with each other. The writer to Hebrews says this in Hebrews 10. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And we read in Psalm 133 verse 1. How wonderful and pleasant when brothers live together in harmony. Some versions say when they dwell together in harmony and when we're in close relationship with people there are those who can pray for us support us encourage us exhort us serve alongside us and transversely we have those that we need to pray for and encourage and exhort and serve alongside as well but the most incredible thing about and this is a very radical statement all of this only happens if we're together Because if we're not together, it ain't going to happen. And it's God's desire. And it's God's design for us that we're together. And the first instance of relationship is right back in the book of Genesis. 
And Adam was in the garden on his own. And God observed him. He observed him and he came to a conclusion. And he said this, he said, It's not good for man to be alone. I will make a help of it for him. And the first thing that God did for Adam was he initiated a relationship. He created somebody from his side. And it's interesting, he took a rib from his side. He took somebody to be at his side. And God created somebody to be in relationship with the man because relationship is important to God. King Solomon said this in the book of, I can never say this word, Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes? Ecclesiastes? How do you say that, Benj? Ecclesiastes. That's the one. That book. <laughs> Chapter 4, verse 9. Two people are better off than one, for one can help, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But when someone falls alone, they're in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. See, life is so much better when you do it with others. I found, anyway. We accomplish more, we share our burdens, we share our celebrations, and it causes us to grow There are some great Old Testament models of community. If we look at Noah in chapter 7 of Genesis, it says in verse 11, when Noah was 600 years old, on the 17th day of the second month, all the underground waters erupted from the earth and the rain fell in mighty torrents from the sky and the rain continued to fall for 40 days and 40 nights. That very day, Noah had gone into the boat with his wife and his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and their wives. And with them in the boat were pairs of every kind of animal, domestic and wild, large and small, along with birds of every kind. Two by two, they came into the boat. And then it says this, representing every living thing that breathes. A male and female of every kind entered through entered just as God had commanded Noah, and then the Lord closed the door behind them. This group repopulated the earth, and they represented every living thing that breathes. And the church represents Christ. The town of Market Harbour needs to see what we're known for. And we should be known for this in John 13. For now I'm giving you a new commandment, Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And it's so important as believers that we form a community within the church so that the the other communities outside the church can see our community. It's so important that comes first. The nation of Israel is another picture of community that we see in the Word. See, God always addressed them as a group of people, not individuals. And he always wanted, God always wanted them to be his group, if you like. Because he said to Moses in Exodus 19, verse 5, Now if you obey me and keep my covenant, you'll be my own special treasure from among all the peoples of the earth. From all the earth, for all the earth, 
belongs to me. And you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is the message you must give to the people of Israel. You see, the children of Israel, they wandered around the wilderness together for 40 years. They obeyed God together. They disobeyed God together. And they returned to God together after God had withdrawn his blessings, which somehow seemed to get their attention. Together, they were given the Ten Commandments, which we read about in Exodus 20. And they were God's instructions for living in a community and relating to God. How to relate to each other, how to relate to the Lord. And when they followed his teachings together, things went well for them. Let's just look at the Ten Commandments. I must be your only God. No one else... God is the most important thing in your life. Don't have any idols. Put God above everything in your life. Don't misuse my name. No swearing. Be careful what you say to one another. Observe the Sabbath. Keep time for me. Honour your mother and father. Then you'll be blessed. Don't murder anything. Don't even get angry. Don't commit adultery. Stay completely pure in everything. Don't steal from others. Don't steal from others. Don't steal from your own life. Don't steal time from your own life. Don't steal any potential from your own life. Don't lie. Don't lie to others or yourself. But know the truth because it will set you free. And don't be envious or jealous, but trust God in all things. You see, the importance of community in the Bible is pretty clear. Paul spoke a lot about it, about belonging to a body of believers. There's two great verses in, uh, well, the first one is in Romans 12, about the body having many parts. So just as the body has many parts, each part has its own special function. So it is with Christ's body. There are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if your gift, if God has given you the, the ability to prophesy, speak out, as, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership abilities, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. We all have a job, a purpose, a position, a place, a place of belonging in the body. And God's encouraging us to do those things. In 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 26, Paul says this. He says, the human body has many parts. But the many parts make up one whole body, and so it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we've all been baptised into one body by one spirit. We all share in the same spirit. And I'd not seen that before, and I suddenly realised that when I got baptised in the Holy Spirit, I became part of a body, Christ's body. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand, 
that does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm an eye, then what, who would, would it be any less part of the body? And if the whole body was an eye, how would it hear? Or if your whole body was an ear, how would it smell anything? You see, yes, the body has many parts, not just one part. If the life group leader says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an elder, that doesn't make him any less part of the body. And if the person who greets on a Sunday says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not a children's worker, does that make him any less part of the body? If the whole body were life group leaders, who would do the hosting? Or if the whole body served refreshments, who would lead the life groups? And it's that practical, really. Every part is integral. But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. And Paul goes on to say, how strange would the body be if it was only one part? <laughs> but there are many parts, but, not, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. That scripture really speaks for itself. You don't need to be a theologian to understand that. It's a great scripture. And we are the body of Christ and we belong to one another. And if one part of a person's body is missing, and I don't want to be on PC here, but if someone has a part of their body missing, they are considered to be disabled or impaired or challenged. Um, And the question I have to ask this morning is, Are there some eyes or feet missing this morning from our body? Or are there some eyes or feet this morning that have decided not to work? Because God wants us to connect together. Because when we connect together, we become a more functioning body, a more powerful body. In John chapter 15, Jesus says this. He says, love each other in the same way that I've loved you. See, that, that's a challenge <laughs> straight away. <laughs> there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for a friend. You are my friends if you do what I command. And in Proverbs seventeen seventeen, it says, A friend is always loyal and a brother is born to help in times of need. You know, love one another in the same way that I've loved you. Wow. A heartfelt counsel of a friend, it says in Proverbs 27, is as pure and sweet as innocence, as incense and perfume. I'm going to, I was going to, I'm going to tell a story about somebody in this body. They're not here today, so I'm going to highly embarrass them, but they're not here, so I'm going to... But I, I was in a life group with um, a gentleman called John Longfield, I'm sure you know. And John is the life group par excellence leader. He's... Um, He's a very faithful man. And when I was in his life group, he used to ring me probably once a week just to ask me how I was. And we used to have this little joke on the phone. He'd say, what have you had for your tea? And we used to talk about what we'd had for tea. But he'd always ask me how I was doing, how Mandy was doing. And the thing that's really blessed me about when John used to ring was when I wasn't in his life group, he still used to ring me. And he'd say, how are you doing? And I'd say, I'm doing all right, John. You know, how are you doing? And we'd just chat. And then when I became an elder, 
he still used to ring me. And that really blessed me. Because that's how the body works. Because everybody has a function. And we need to understand that the body is not about a pyramid. It's really important that we understand this. Phil and I are not at the top of the pyramid. It's not a hierarchical system. It's a body. And we all have a function within the body. And everyone's function is as important because, as Paul says, if there's no ear, where would the sense of hearing be? If there's no eye, where would the sense of sight be? And if the whole body was a hand, how would it hear? And it's so important that we grasp that because God has put each part in the body to do a function within the body. Because the body of Christ is all about reaching the lost. That's why we're here. We're not here to do anything else, really. We're here to praise God. But our mission, as Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel as a body. It's quite fascinating, really. You know, in church circles, we talk about fellowship, don't we? And the old adage goes, if you want to be successful, surround yourself with successful people. But I would say that if you want to do the best for Christ and do the best journey, then surround yourself with believers who are going to encourage you. Let's go back to Hebrews 10 again. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now the day of his return is drawing near. And then I've, I've found this little gem in Colossians 3.16. Let the word about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And I read this verse in the message and it puts it like this. Let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other in step with each other. None of this going off and doing your own thing. And cultivate thankfulness. Let the word of Christ, the message, have the run of your house. Give it plenty of room room in your lives. Instruct and direct one another using good common sense. And sing. Sing your hearts out to God. Let every detail of your lives, word, actions, whatever, be done in the name of the Master, Jesus, thanking God the Father every step of the way. Now, to be practical, what I mean by this is coming together is that we are those that invest time with one another, whether it be here, whether it be in our homes, but we spend time together. In Matthew, Jesus said this, where two or three are gathered as my followers, I am there among them. Only two or three. You know, it's, it's, it's the scripture that we use when not many people turn up to the prayer meeting. <laughs> isn't it? <Yeah. laughs> but sometimes big can be good. But sometimes small is more than enough. Because when we dwell together, there is peace and harmony. It's very pleasant. Yes. It's very pleasant. You know, when we spend time with believers, it tells us in Proverbs that iron sharpens iron 
as a friend sharpens a friend. And I just, I just love being with people. I love being with believers. And it isn't that we, you know, whenever I get together with people in the body, it's not that we fall down on our knees and pray together or we get the Bible out and have a Bible study, although that is good, but we're just together and things just rub off one another. Community is a multifaceted expression. Our church, our family, our community, it can be our local neighbourhood, it can be a whole town. But we are here as the salt of the earth and God will pour his love through our community into, the, into this town, into Market Harbour. And that's why in First Peter it says it's most important of all that we continue to show deep love for one another for their love covers a multitude of sins and cheerfully we share our homes with those who need a meal and a place to stay. And I want to unpack that next time. Next time I speak, I'd like to talk about eating together and how it's one of my favourite subjects, actually. But it's, there's so much in the Bible about eating together and the benefits that that causes, the whole fellowship around the table. In Ephesians 4, verse 2, it says this, Always be humble and gentle, be patient with one another, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body, one Spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all and living through all. Notice that he's talking about being united He's talking about binding together. And he mentions one six times. So I think he wants us to be one. Ben said to me, is there a song you want to finish with? And he'd never, has everyone ever heard of the song, Bind Us Together, Lord? Do you remember that song? He'd never heard of that song. I was stunned. It's a classic. <laughs> we used to sing it on a Sunday and all sway. Do you remember that? We used to hold hands and sway. <laughs> Another aspect of being together is that we're here to help one another. Did you know that helping one another is a ministry? It's a ministry. I can prove it. It's in the Bible. It's in 1 Corinthians 12, 28. Here are some of the parts that God has appointed for the church. First, there are apostles. Second, prophets. Third, teachers. Then those who can do miracles, those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others. Yes. <laughs> you see, the concept of community within the church is not confined to the church, but it must start in the church. Yes. We must be a community here first, because then it, the body is complete, it's not disabled. It's fully powerful. It's fully able to move in lots of ways. Christians understand from the New Testament, we understand the importance of going to church. We worship together. We hear biblical teaching. We fellowship with each other. 
But we mustn't see church as a social club or something that we just do on a Sunday. It's more than that. Because when we read through the New Testament, particularly from Romans onwards, it contains letters written to the churches instructing us how to live, how to treat each other, how to stay strong in faith. And the leaders of those churches did face some challenges, um, particularly with the Apostle Paul, and he gave lots of advice in how to excel in community. And I just thought I'd read a few of those scriptures. So 1 Corinthians 1 verse 10. I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church, rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. And 1 Peter 3.8. Finally, all you, should, you should all be of one mind, sympathise with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters, be tender-hearted and keep a humble attitude. Uh, Hebrews 10, which now I'm going, I won't read Hebrews 10 again. Romans 12, verse 4. Just as our bodies have many parts, each part has a special function, so it is with the body of Christ. We are many parts of one body and we belong to each other. Yes. Romans 12, 16. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think that you know it all. <laughs> So why, in closing, why is this so important? It's so important because when the world can see something different in us, when they can see that we love one another, that we're together in community, it makes a statement. The biggest statement that I get from my neighbours is how many people come to your house? How many people come to your house? And um, there's a, a young couple come to our house quite regularly at the minute. They're having some marriage prep. And this, we started to talk to our neighbours about it, didn't we? Not about the marriage prep itself. But, you know, and they said, well, why do you do that? You know, I said, well, it's important. And all of a sudden, you know, conversations start together. We had um, uh, a jubilee party on Friday. And it was a tremendous time. We started at one o'clock, and I think we finally finished about ten, didn't we? And there was a lot of cake consumed, which was absolutely marvellous, I have to say. <laughs> but when, when I laid in bed at night, I said to... I felt feeling rather full. When I laid in bed at night, I said to Mandy, I said, some people are so lonely. There were some very lonely people there. Um, and there was one couple that we got into a conversation with and um, this lady was said, opened up to Mandy, said that she'd suffered from depression and, you know, Mandy said to her, well, you know, I'm, my door's always open. And this lady said to Mandy, should I know that? Should, because when I had a baby, Mandy had put that in her card. And there's a, a chap there and we were talking and we were talking about something that I was going to do in my garden. And he straight away said... Well, if you do that, I'll come and help you. And I just realised how lonely he was. And um, there's something so powerful in our community that then speaks to the world. It's just massive. And I just can't... I just, I just really want to get that over to you this morning because it does make a statement. Because sometimes as Christians, we come to church, we meet together, we go to life group, and in a sense, we take it for granted 
we don't really understand. When you start to then mix with the world, you understand how different they are. And we've got to be careful that we don't get into this little bubble, that we're in this little Christian bubble. You know, and it's great being in our bubble, you know, we can all be fellowshipping together. And be f- but it, it's more than that, because it makes a statement. And we see that in the life of Jesus when he walked around the earth. He was so different that people just followed him in crowds because he was different. And that's what God is calling us to do as his body in a community. So my challenge this morning is how much time do we really spend with each other outside of Sunday morning? And are we really being, are we really being and allowing ourselves to be sharpened? Are we spending time with people that are sharpening us and encouraging us? Are we investing in a Sunday morning? Are we making it a priority over everything else? Are we eyes or feet who choose not to be here or not to engage? I've got a sinking feeling then. (laughs) Do we... Do we need to reevaluate our time for Sunday or believers? And I'm speaking to myself here. It's very easy sometimes just to think, well, you know, I'll stick Star Trek on and put my feet up. Seriously. But do I, do I need to then think and think, well, no, I need to go and spend some time. I need to get in the car and go and see baby Hope. <laughs> they get nice cakes at... Uh, Kim's, if anybody wants to know. Um, and, but more importantly, do we see our fellowship together as a powerhouse for our faith and those that we're reaching out to? It really is so important when we meet together as believers, either in this place or in our homes, the effect it has on those around us. It, it, it does make a difference. Yeah. Because we will see the church grow. We will see the church grow. We will see each other grow. We will grow ourselves. Because when we grow, the church grows. Both in its strength and stature and in its numbers. And then we'll reach the lost. Which is the Great Commission. And that's why we're here. So I hope that's challenged you this morning. And that was a bit of a teaching thing, more of a preaching thing. But I hope that's challenged you, and I hope that just gives everyone a chance to reevaluate. And I hope that people listen to the tape, tape, the recording. I'm a child of the 60s. Um, that they'll listen to the recording and just to encourage one another. But we, we as a small group here within our, within our body, could start that. That we could come together. And next time, we'd like, um, our plan is, is that I'd like to speak again about eating together. And Deborah Lyon is going to come and speak to us in a few weeks about her experiences of when Living Rock Church started and how that, and I've heard that and it's really good, um, about how Living Rock Church started and the things that we did as a community that then spoke to the, the wider world. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.